Hey, it's Ryan from the Moon is Dead World.net, and um, here with Chris Martin again. Hello. Uh, he's pretty much a stable point of the the Blood and Black Rum series, so you're going to be listening to him quite a bit. And his um, when he said, you know, he says you know a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you do. You know. Did you did you see, did you know that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You know. He, he, so it's something that we recognize, and and he will be we'll try to work on it as we go along. But um, we are back today, continuing our vacation series. Um, now the actual remake, reboot, sequel of Vacation is out in theaters, and we did happen to stumble into theaters and see that the uh, the other day. Um, so we're going to be covering that today. So we're going right from National Lampoon's Vacation to the new re-sequeling of Vacation. The better Vacation. The, apparently, yeah. The better and new Vacation. The better, the new, better Ed Helmsian Vacation. So we're moving right into that. We did say that we were going to cover European Vacation and Vegas Vacation, and honestly, um, right now, since Vacation is out in theaters, I think it's more important that we cover that first, and before, also before it gets taken out, before our it, yeah, <laughs> and before our um, small brains can forget about what we what we saw because it was even a couple days ago. So um, we're going to cover this first, and then we'll probably go into European Ve- and Vegas Vacation in one episode because honestly, I don't know a ton about European Vacation. Um, I have, I've only seen that like once and Vegas vacation. I have seen a bunch of times cause they just throw that on TV whenever they don't have anything else to show FX special. Yeah. But, uh, dinner in a movie, Yeah, dinner in a movie yep. with FX. But, um, <laughs> you know, again with that one, there's really not that much to, to really discuss where we can get like an hour and a half out of it. It's definitely, I, if you've ever seen it, you know that there's definitely not like strong themes. And well, <laughs> there, well, well no, if they were able to get an hour and a half out of Vegas vacation, maybe. Yeah. I don't even think they, yeah, I mean, it's probably not even an hour and a half. It's probably an hour and 20 minutes. So I don't know if we can even mm-hmm. talk about an hour and 20 minute movie for an hour and a half. So um, that's just spending way too much time on something. Um, but anyway, so we will be getting to those in probably the next episode, I would say. But right now, we're going to cover 2015's vac- Vacation, um, which notably does not have the National Lampoon's moniker on it. Nowhere I, to be found. I think um, I think that's kind of have to do with like the fact that I don't think they're really releasing any National Lampoon films. And if they do, they're usually just straight to Direct DVD. to video. Yeah. Yep, direct to DVD. Um, and I think, and I think if you know, because technically it's a sequel, they don't, uh, they, you know, there wouldn't be any point in you know putting National Lampoon's Vacation on it because then you know, well, Christmas Vacation got National Lampoon's on it. No, but they I all did really. Well, I know, but I'm saying th- those were different titles. So it'd be yeah. like National Lampoon's European Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas. If they renamed, the, if they named this one National Lampoon's Vacation, even though it's technically a sequel to the first film. You know, I want to make sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I guess, I guess I get what you're saying. Before we get into the technicalities of it, though, we definitely have to talk about what beers we're drinking today because it is blood and black rum uh, without the black rum. So we definitely need to at least discuss what alcohol we've, we're, we're consuming while we are doing this podcast. This is probably... It actually explains why it's kind of shitty. Explains why the <laughs> podcast is like, well, you know, they talk a good talk, but it's really not that good quality. Um, I guess people would say. I've already had a beer and a half before this. Oh, wow. So oh, you basically didn't know that. At the bowling alley, I had a, a Coors Light. One of them had like some shit in it. 
like that's stuff the, in the bottom of the yeah, the flavoring. I guess so. It's like chicken <laughs> flavoring in the bottom of it. <laughs> it's a rom. It's got a robin pack in yeah, it. Yeah, I know. But so I've already had that. So I'm a, a little toastier than you are, I guess. But now we're. I did buy the Saranac Summer Pack. Buy a Summer Pack if you're looking for beer. Don't go and go cons- all consumer on any of those beer variety packs and get the Fall Pack already because it's fucking August right now. And you should really <laughs> be getting into those Summer yeah. Packs instead of, you know going with what the the breweries want you yeah. to do and buy those fall packs. Yeah. No one wants an Oktoberfest when it's 90 degrees outside. I was I was going to say I don't know about everyone else's summer, but it's been hotter than hell up here in New York uh, all summer. For the most part, it's, I mean it's been muggy, humid and, you know, tonight it's kind of cool, but uh for the most not, part not making me want to sit around the fire at night and crack open an Oktoberfest. And as Ryan knows, the two of us, we love Sam's Oktoberfest. It's like a highlight beer for us. It's and, one of my favorites. And unfortunately, with the way they've been releasing beer, you know, fall packs coming out in the middle of July, and by the time you really want that Oktoberfest in the middle of October, winter lager's already out. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I always have to save my Oktoberfest for, for, like, Halloween, because if you don't save them and you, you say, like, you want to go out the week of Halloween, it's like, nope, nope, sorry, we yeah. got winter lagers now, unless you want... To buy maybe, an maybe 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 beer. that's their maybe that's their plan for you guys to buy uh, for us to buy it in bulk in the middle of July. Like, oh, yeah, save like, it, gotta when... save up, and then well, yeah, but then that doesn't that doesn't work in their favor because then you got like so much saved up, you're like, well, I might as well drink that instead of going out and buy a Witcher pack. So it doesn't really work in their favor, f- to be honest. That that I see, I, I can't hmm. believe summer ales are we're still talking about Sam Adams. I can't believe that's like their most popular one because I feel like. Winter loggers out for two months. The whatever the hell they released for spring because they can never stick on a consistent one. You know, before it was the Noble Pills and then the Alpine Spring and you know the Whitewater IPA. That one's like a mid spring one. And the Cold Snap. They can't decide on that. And then the Oktoberfest is also out for two months, and so it's like six months of summer ale. Yeah, and it's not even my favorite. It's it's my least favorite actually. But we're not drinking Sam's today. We're drinking Saranac, which is a localish brewery from around where we are. I know most listeners, they probably don't have it. And it's hard for us to think about because basically what we have down here is Saranac and Sam Adams and, you know, Sierra Nevada. But mostly, like, Saranac is one of the big ones for around us. It's the big staple New York craft beer. It is. Um, And so I am drinking a Gen 4 Session IPA. Which is pretty good. It's slightly less hoppy than their Legacy IPA, so, oh, oh, and it's noticeable when in the actual swallow portion of it. I mean, it's less, way less bitter, so you can drink a lot more of it. Um, and I think the Legacy is like six percent. Yeah. So the IPA, the Session IPA, has got to be like four. I, I would say. It's. Uh, I would say it's four. Four and a half. Yeah, four and a half. And you've got the Summer Pills. Sorry to God. Which, <laughs> which is basically Saranac relabeling their Wild Hop Pills. Which came out for, in spring. For chintzy s- bastards. For summer. <laughs> yeah. So now we've had Wild Hop Pills for mm. spring and summer. It's basically, you know, like a standard Pilsner, but they add like quite a bit of hops to it. So you do get like a hop bite, kind of like a pale ale. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a hybrid of a pale ale and a Pilsner. Yeah. Because it's got that crispness of a Pilsner, but it's also got... The, Kind of that hoppy bite of a pale ale. Yeah, it's not too hoppy, but you, you, it's definitely noticeable. It's a good drink. 
You know what, too? I wanted to bring up because I know that Martin will have like an aneurysm on this podcast, and I really think it'll be kind of funny. I did end up buying a lottery ticket today at the bowling alley. Oh, go fuck yourself. I had $1 in my wallet, and I said, wow, this is a lucky $1 bill. And it's the only one in my wallet. So I bought a $1 ticket, and it was like the times 10 ticket. I don't even, I don't follow lottery tickets, so I don't know what it was. It was calling to me. I could have picked the lucky sevens. I always go with lucky sevens. But no, this time I went with the 10 times one, and I did it really slow, and I had 250 dollar ones and I had two two hundred dollar ones and I had two one hundred fifty dollar ones but I ended up winning zero dollars so I knew you would be un- unhappy with me I knew that you wouldn't like that at all and so I thought that I would bring it up on the show because I wanted to see your reaction well I don't work at a convenience store anymore so well yeah so I mean well I mean but in it's, general it's in still, general the the principle of it for yeah, you is that still you fucking waste, hate lottery it, tickets because it's a waste of your money. It was a dollar. It's, it doesn't matter. You could have You could have uh, bought yourself a purchased co- a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts or, uh, or Cumberland at, Farms at, or McDonald's. Yeah. And you would have been more satisfied with that. Than, I could have saved up for another movie to see for the podcast. You could have, you know, done a lot of things with that dollar. I could have put it in a stripper's G-string. Yeah. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> Um, oh, that brings us to Sarah's not participating in this podcast, this episode, episode four. Uh, when it really, when this podcast hits big, and she sees that, wow, we're ha- we're having tons of success because we are up to like thirty two listeners on the last podcast, who probably listened to the first two minutes and were like, I'm out. But anyway, thirty two listens. She's gonna be upset that she didn't participate more. <laughs> I was joking with her because she's very self-conscious about her voice and like what people are going to think about her when they hear her on the podcast. And I said, you know, someone commented on the last podcast and I'm like, who the fuck is this girl? Because I <laughs> fucking hate her voice and I don't want to hear her on there. Um, it was a joke, but she actually thought I was being a little serious for a second. <laughs> but um, she's not participating. She did see the movie, but she really doesn't want to contribute because she's a little self-conscious. She's a little shy, she said, so she won't be on this podcast or probably any others because she's just too shy and self-conscious and doesn't want anybody listening to her being critical about her. So she won't be she won't be uh, attending the podcast anymore. So before we get into the movie itself, uh, Martin and I did happen to attend a concert the other day, and we did see Dinosaur Jr. and Primus. And Dinosaur Jr. and Primus have been bands that I've really wanted to see, but I really thought I would never get the chance to. Don't tour around here that often. They do, I mean, we're in a small area, so in general, you know, any any bands that would generally play at big bigger venues don't get around mm-hmm. here. Um, and especially with like Dinosaur Jr., they do, they don't really play at big venues, but they also don't tour that often because they're not really. I mean. They did release a new album, not like maybe a few years ago, but they don't do a lot of touring or releasing because mm-hmm. they're mostly kind of becoming defunct now. Mm-hmm. Um, besides Jay Maskus's solo career, so um, it was really great to get out to Amagang, which is the local brewery around yeah. us in yeah, Cooperstown Cooper. in New York, um, to get out there and see them outside at a show that did not rain. Which is a miracle. Which is a miracle. Usually when we go there, it pours. It always pours there. Except twice in a row now. Yeah. We've been there and it hasn't, so. 
Um, so we got to see them. Dinosaur Jr. played for like, what, an hour? I would say. Yeah, an hour. Played most of their well-known songs and, and some that weren't. They played The Cure because we saw them on Friday, so they played... Just Like Heaven. Yep. Um, so we saw that. <laughs> um, I think they played another cover song, but I haven't really checked the set list. Did you check the set list? I did. did they I actually came, add? I, I think it was just the Cure one. Well, they played a song after that, and I thought that was a cover too, but maybe that I was just an know. old Dinosaur Jr. song that I don't know. But So there was that. And it, what was really surprising to me was that no one was really there for Dinosaur Jr., Surprised me too. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, there was a few people, obviously, and there was some people that were really interested in seeing them, like me. But other than that, like, the, I, it was really weird because the whole crowd was really into Primus. I, I didn't, honest, I didn't realize Primus was basically the equivalent of like the Grateful Dead and Fish yeah. when it comes to like you said it was funk metal. It's like hippie. Yeah, metal. you said it was like hippie metal. And at first, I was like, what? I wouldn't even really consider for myself. Primus to be any sort of metal, but you're right. I mean, that is basically what it was like when we were there. Is there it made us really think that we we're getting like super old, though. Like we we're like the guys from like the Muppets, the the, the crotchety old, the old, old men, crotchety yeah. men in the in the upper seats from the Muppets because we we're like sitting there, like who the fuck are these people? Like what the fuck is that guy wearing? What the <laughs> hell is he doing? Why is she <laughs> dancing like that? I don't want to say that we we're like super judgmental, but. These people were fucking acting like morons there. I mean, <laughs> I've never... I, bet, I don't think I, I've ever been to a geekier hipster show. Like a geekier... I wouldn't hip, say it was... Hip, it, it, well, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, hi, it wasn't you know, hipster. I mean, but... I've been, to a, I've been to a lot of concerts. And that show, compared to like... So I've seen like the Allman Brothers, and seen the Harp, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers live a bunch of times, and you know... Bunch of different bands live, and Primus might have had the most weed smoke going around on any show I've ever been to. We didn't smoke any, but we came out <laughs> smelling like it. It was like giving us a headache because it was like so overpowering the amount of different kinds of weed that was there. It's craving a blooming onion by the end. Yeah, well, I had a burrito. You didn't get to have a burrito, but. <laughs> But anyway, and, so. and I we forgot to mention there was another band that played there too that opened for Dinosaur Junior, and that was the Ghost of the Sabertooth Tiger. Mm-hmm. And when they came on, Ghost of a Sabertooth Tiger. Wow, they don't yeah. specify which one it was. Oh, yeah. my bad. Yeah, but anywho, it was funny because when they came on, I didn't recognize the band at all. But when the the lead singer and guitarist started playing, I'm like, man, he's. I told Ryan, I go, he sounds a lot like Sean Lennon. John Lennon's kid. And sure enough, the next morning I get a text from Ryan. He's like, you're right, that is Sean Lennon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know, he, didn't know he had another project going on because he releases stuff so sporadically because I feel like he's probably more interested in just hanging around It's Paris. more like a stoner South Southern rock group that he's in for the Ghost of a... Yeah, they were like wearing all black, so it's like kind of goth, but then they, are, they dress like they're, you know, well, about ready to play Freebird. Well, and, I mean, yeah, their music is mostly... Like stoner southern yeah. rock. I mean, that's it's not a like a little like electronic. Uh, yeah, it's not like weed eater, but it's. it's I, I did I did enjoy them a lot. I no, I, I, I mean okay. they, they played for like thirty five minutes. I thought yeah. it was. I thought they were okay. I thought they were a little bit messy, but so. Well, you, but I mean, it's a live show. You don't have seeing, to expect them to be seeing perfect. Primus was really awesome, especially because before this we saw the Decemberists mm-hmm. a couple days before that at Amagay. 
And Colin Malloy like fucked up like messed three, up like three or four times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but seeing Primus was really great. Um, I would definitely recommend it if you get a chance. They did. I thought they were going to play a lot of like their Willy Wonka stuff, but they really didn't, which I was happy for because I really wanted to see the, them play like their regular songs. And I, they did that. I got to hear Lee Van Cleef, so. So you were happy. But I was actually surprised too how much they kind of jammed out too. That's why I said it was like kind of hippie metal because mm-hmm. they like you know I you know I'm not the big I I went more for Dinosaur Junior. I like Dinosaur Junior a lot and Primus. I do know I like them, but I don't really know a lot of their stuff. So going into the show, I only knew like five or six songs that they played, and you know I. I was surprised actually how much they're jam because I'm not really into jam music, but Les Claypool's just so damn good on a bass. It's you know, yeah. I mean, they their one song, I think it was um, Southbound um, Pachyderm. They went on for like 15 minutes because Les Claypool was like getting his because they always have a they have a video screen behind them of like different stuff from like their music videos or something that they play behind them. And I think he was getting a, a image ready of candles for his his, his uh, guitar player because he was. It was his birthday that day. So I think he was getting that ready, but they like he was like doing that while jamming on the bass for like fifteen minutes. So that was pretty cool. He walk he walk he did walk off like, you know, walk off to the side for a bit too. So he's probably like put yeah. the fucking video on. Yeah, I think he yeah, I think he was like trying to get the video on. But um so I think now, like those two people that are listening still are like, <laughs> are they gonna talk about vacation sometime or are they just gonna fucking Talk about whatever they want to talk about. This, I mean, this video is entitled "Vacation." They really need to get to that. At <laughs> well, some it's kind of like our own little vacation we just went on. It is. Yeah. We did go on a vacation, but anyways, we're gonna get to that right now. So, uh, anybody um, that is looking to like tell people when we actually get to it, it's gonna happen at the eighteen minute mark. So, <laughs> um, anyway, we we saw it uh, vacation like a couple days ago, right? We saw it on Saturday. So that was uh, probably like four days ago. Um, but it's still pretty fresh in my mind, I would say. Um, I definitely... Um, I've thought about it, you know. I've thought about it over time. D- digesting it, you know. Yeah, like I, I, I was thinking about it, and last time when we watched National Lampoon's Vacation, we watched the movie it and then right, we kind of went right, right into, into the it. podcast. It kind of, It made it difficult in a way because... We didn't have time to like digest things, to talk it over. It was mostly like Let's just off the cuff yeah. sort of thing. So this time we've actually had some time to think about it and you know come up with a game plan, basically. I will say the funniest thing about seeing this movie was uh, when we went to go get our tickets at the ticket booth on the plaque uh, ahead of the ticket counter, they listed all the movies, their times, and what the rating was. For at our theater, they rate. I uh, had the rating for this movie as PG thirteen, and that was a mistake because it's well, to actually R. And I just found it funny because five minutes in, it's fuck, 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 fuck. You know. Well, when you told me that, I was like, no, that's not right. There's no way. I was like, that's not PG thirteen. I know, I know that it's an R rated movie. I was like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty I, sure I, that I did I've too because I saw the trailers and they had like it was the, like a red cut trailer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like going into it, and I was like, "There's no way that this is actually PG-13." So we're watching it. It was like there, someone said "fuck," and I was like, "Well, either they dropped their only f bomb, or it really is not PG-13." And then as it goes along, there's even more and more. There's like a boner that you see, like clearly boner. And um, so I was like, "No, this is definitely not PG-13 material. This is this is our material." And I was just sitting here thinking, like, what if there's a parent? 
12-year-old kid. They're like, well, you know, okay, yeah. I'm not really sure if this is appropriate for them or not, but it only got a PG-13 rating. I think it'll be okay. And then they brought mm-hmm. him to it, and it's like, clearly not okay. Like, it's clear, clearly not going to be something that... You know, if they were worried about them seeing a PG-13 movie, then it's clearly not going to be okay. Um, so that was just kind of a funny thing that we that we no, saw yeah. right away, like when we got there. Um, but actually, for our movie theater, vacation was pretty busy uh, on a Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, generally, usually you when, go when we go to the movies, there's like bad. two people yeah. <laughs> in the movie. Maybe, with maybe we either pick bad and, movies or bad times to go. But I, I, but I don't even I don't even believe that because when I went to see Chappie, which was like the day after it came out, mm-hmm. there was one other... I thought I was going to be the only person viewing that movie Well, that even, day. like, there have been some movies that I've gone to, like, a couple days after they came out. You know, not at bad times either. Like, I've, yeah, got, yeah. I've seen matinees, you know, the normal show and the late show, and it's, like, dead. Like, when our friend Matt and I went to go see Star Trek Into Darkness, we were the only two people in that theater. And it came out a couple days later. Which and is weird, because... Because it's, you know, it's a yeah. big, you know... And so that that was funny because then we just got to like make fun of it the entire time. I think that, and just... then like with like I see like new Bond films, you know, because I go anytime a new Bond film comes out, I go like the day of. It's not that packed. It's not that busy. Ter- when we went to see Terminator, it's pretty dead in there too, you know. Yeah, it was. I think that just kind of shows that our population, though. I mean, just people don't hear around around here. They just don't go to see movies. They either pirate them or wait until or they... wait till they come out on video. Um, and it's not even that expensive to go to the movies here. Eight dollars. Yeah, eight dollars. It's really not that bad. But um, yeah, so I mean, when we when we went to see Vacation, it was actually pretty busy for a movie around here. I mean, I would say there was pro- it wasn't packed, but I would say there was probably like thirty people in there. Um, so that was actually it was actually good to see it that way because yeah, I think when uh, uh, I think we talk about the humor later on, I think I think that because w- we saw it with a crowd that packed, yeah. I think it. Thinking about it, I think it adds more to the humor. Yeah, of what, I think you know. I think it does. I mean, there was definitely uh, seeing things, seeing a movie with multiple people instead of just as a solitary experience just adds to it in general. Especially like, if it's a comedy. Because, yeah, you know, you, or a horror if, movie too. Yeah, because if you like watch, uh, you know, I, I agree with that. If you watch like a comedy, and it's just you by yourself. You may not laugh at something, but if you have like a room full of people and one person laughs at it, you, you know, it's kind of like you know contagious like yawning somebody you know you might laugh at it too because you know it's, it enhances you know the viewing experience well i mean i always laugh when my dad laughs just because he's got a kooky <laughs> laugh so um yeah I, I think that really i think that helped to add to our vacation atmosphere and i think it's important to bring that up because yeah. you know you might find that you didn't have that same experience, but I think that with the the atmosphere that we had, there was definitely more uh, enjoyment within the film because there's just people there to laugh at it with mm-hmm. us. Um, and we we saw it together, and I also saw it with Sarah, and then we went with my parents as well, my mm-hmm. parents and my sister. And generally, this is kind of a funny little anecdote to bring up because generally when I see like a comedy with my parents... I limit it to like PG, PG thirteen comedies because they're really, really not prude. into raunchy comedies. Prude. They're very, yeah, yeah. You can say yeah. they're 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 totally prude. That's that's the same with my mom because I remember going to see when I was a kid, uh, younger, going to see Knocked Up with her and my aunt, and me and my aunt were laughing our ass off. And my mom was like, "This is appalling. Yeah. This is disgusting. they're talking about dick penises and what? This is this is disgusting." 
And it's funny because I told her, I'm like, I was joking with her. I saw her the other day. I go, I'm like, you know, you should go um, see the new vacation movie. She's like, oh, is it funny? I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's funny. She goes, oh, is it dirty though? I'm like, it's not like the original. I'll put that to you like that. And yeah. she's like, she got sad. She, yeah. You know. So I mean, well, I mean, whenever because I, I know that if I see like um, a raunchy, dirty comedy with my family, it's very difficult. To like enjoy laugh it, at it or enjoy it, yeah. it because I know that my mom is thinking, well, that's just not necessary. <laughs> you know, she's thinking, you know, I don't know why they're dropping so many f words. You know, that's really unnecessary. It's uncalled for, and I just think it's kind of ridiculous. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to mm-hmm. laugh at something yeah. like that when your mom's sitting there thinking, like, wow, this you know, is she just you, outrageous, you, and you, she doesn't approve. Yeah. You know, so. We saw it with my parents, but luckily they sat in the row in front of us <laughs> and we sat behind, so we actually did have room to like enjoy it instead of wondering like, does my mom think this is like not appropriate? Um, so well let me put, let me ask you this question. It's kind of going a little off talk, topic, but last time when we were talking about vaca- uh, the first vacation and going into this, um what like were you, uh, how, what were your thoughts going into this movie? Like, did you think it was, like after watching the trailers and going into it? What did you think you would have walked out the way you did? No. Um. To be honest and fair to Vacation, uh, it, the 2015 version, I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I think when I went. When after I watched National Lampoon's Vacation, I kind of realized that there was a lot of you know dark, there was dark comedy to it, and there is a few raunchier bits. But to be to be uh, um, particularly frank, I don't think that Vacation is really that raunchy at all. I think it's more focused on situational humor Mm -hmm. it's focused on sometimes slapstick because of chevy chase Mm -hmm. basically um but it's it's more minimal i would say subtle subtle minimal than um vacation in 2015 i think it kind of revels in its ridiculousness you know it does like in the situation like you're Uh, i agree it's more situational it's it's situational comedy and it's almost it's like very kind of cartoonish. Mm-hmm. It knows that it's being very cartoonish about it, and it's that's where it gets its comedy from. That's where it derives its comedy. Where and and actually, I mean, when I went into Vacation in 2015, we talked about it before. We thought it would be something more akin to like National Lampoon's straight to video stuff now, yeah. which is like you know sequels to American Pie or Van Wilder stuff that's really raunchy, very sexually oriented. Um, you know, and it fart, is, poop, and and, 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 it, jokes. and and it is, but I think it is done with a type of gravitas, you know, type of certain way that wow, it, yeah, that wow, yeah. gravitas used on the Blood and Black yeah. Rum podcast. Yeah, I mean, well, you're the English major, so I got the use, statistician you know. should be putting that down. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think it's in in the new vacation. I think it's it does have that kind of I guess what you would call lowbrow humor. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, but it, it it's done in a way that it is enjoyable. It's not like okay, this joke's getting old type of thing. Um, to go off of what you said about like going into it, going into it, I didn't think this was going to be a good movie. No, I didn't. I think 
thought that I might have gotten a few laughs out of it. I might have like chuckled here or there, but I didn't think it would have, you know, knocked my socks off. And going into this, as we've said before, like when we reviewed Terminator Genesis, when it comes to these reboots, these 20 years after the fact sequels, these, you know, reimaginings and, you know, and this new type of wave of film, it's kind of all these films that are coming out, they're like they're not saying they're reboots, they're not saying they're remakes, they're, they're like they're reimagining. They're sequels with the reboots, and you know, as we've gone on before, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say going into this, I didn't think it was going to be good. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be really that funny. Yep. And I was going to find it totally unnecessary. Yeah. Um, afterwards, I'd say I left, you know, the film pleasantly surprised. I wouldn't say it was a great film, but I'd say I didn't leave pissed off. I did laugh. So I think, you know. I think it, you know, succeeded in what it was trying to do. Now, do I think they should pump out more sequels, which I think they probably will do? If it makes a lot of money, and they probably will. I I don't think they should. And, you know, they could have rewritten it a certain way to make it kind of its own film. Yes. But again, you know, having that vacation name onto it is going to add, you know, umpteen more million dollars to the box office and... I actually, I think you brought up a lot of topics that we are we're going to get into as we we go through the podcast. But the one that I want to bring up now that I thought was really interesting is that since we're starting from the beginning, I I really thought when I first was when I started watching the movie when the, when it first began, I found the humor really forced. To be honest with you, I I found it really. I agree. And I thought, I was like, wow, this is almost kind of painful, like how forced this is. Then that was because, you know, the movie was just beginning. It was really trying to to set up itself, um, to distinguish itself from the National Lampoon Vacation series. Um, And I was thinking, wow, this is really forced comedy. I mean, there was just something about it. Either the way that it was delivered, how you know how that was delivered, um, that was just seemed really, really forced. And I was thinking, wow, you know, to sit through an hour and a half of this, this is going to be really painful. I thought it was going to be totally not funny. Luckily, luck, I say, luckily it was an hour and a half because going into it, I didn't know the runtime. Well, it was, and, I think it was like an hour and forty. But going into it, you know, I didn't know what the runtime of the film was. I thought. If I had to sit through two hours of this film, because most films these days are getting released at 120 minute run times and not 90 minute run times, and I thought if I had to sit through two hours of this, I might, you know, I might go insane. Because there's some Hour movies, because yep. there's some movies that we've seen like RoboCop, and you're sitting, and that's a two hour movie. And it's like, why is this two hours? Why, you know, there's 30 minutes you could have easily cut out, and in the, you know, that would have made the film a lot better. Yeah, any, I mean, any Judd Apatow movie going to be two hours now. Do you? I mean, regardless, reg- it doesn't matter. It's like it's like you know, knocked up. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. This is the end. Uh, yeah. Any any of those two hours? Like you can you can bet when you're going into a Judd Apatow comedy, it's probably going to be two hours. And I I mean I don't get me wrong, I do like Judd Apatow's comedy for the most part, but I do find his movies to be overly long. Well, I'd say I do agree with you. I do like his films a lot. I do think his comedies are funny, but I think at the same time, every one of his film is kind of basically the same film with a different it is different plot to and it. It's all it's kind of it's all the same humor because it's got the usually it's got the same people running around Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, you know, yeah, holding a sear in Nevada, Jason Segel, but 
But I mean, in just looking at knocked up because that that triggered something when you when you talked about that. That's an that's two hours and ten minutes. Does it need to be that long? Probably not. And so I mean, and vacation give, really gives off that Judd Apatow vibe. Yeah, I would say that it does. I mean, it's raunchy in that way, but it's kind of clever about it's it. It's clever. Yeah, it's clever in that way. It's so. Really, I, I was getting that vibe from it, and we were thinking, "Wow, this is pro- you know, it's probably going to be two hours long. It's going to be overly long." And sitting there in the beginning of it, I was thinking, "This is going to be a painful experience." I mean, I'm going to be looking at my cell phone every five minutes, wondering when is this movie going to end. That's an- that's another bar for if you know whether or not you like a film is how often are you checking your phone? How often to see- did you look th- at your th- phone th- to see what the time is? I actually only checked it once. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it. it, it- I like I said, if I'm like thoroughly engaged in liking a film, I won't touch my phone at all. Yeah. But if like you know, if it's a painful experience, hate to say it again, but like RoboCop and Terminator Genesis, I'm constantly checking my phone. Like how? Like how? Because in those films, I knew how long they were, so I'm like, oh, we got like fucking twenty minutes left in this thing. Oh god, can it just end? I'm pretty sure there's some strong cinema goers out there saying, why are you checking your phone at all at a theater? Why are you? Why are you looking at your phone? That's but again, but again, if you're disengaged from the film, no, I know, you, I know, you know, I agree. <laughs> I'm I just mean, making a joke. The, the only, the only thing I would say never to do is never to walk out on a film. I've never done it, and because I, no matter how much I hated a film, if I spent the damn money to see it, I will sit there and grit my teeth and bear it because I'm I, not gonna say, well, I spent nine dollars on this movie. I hate it. But I'm going to leave, you know, an hour early because I can't stand it. I'm like, no, I spent the money. I might as well, you know, sit. They already have my money. Yeah. I've never done that. I've never, like, turned off a movie and stopped watching it because you're already committed to it. I mean, you might as well just sit there and watch it. Even if you don't like it, then you can talk about how much you fucking didn't like it. But, you know, just watch it. I remember, I what? This is really getting off topic now, but I watched Rachel Getting Married, and that sh- that fucking movie is so terrible. I mean, everybody was like, Rachel Getting Married, I really like that movie, that was, that's really I mean, good. I have heard of you it. Know, well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, these people are like, yeah, that's really good, you know, I like Ra- I like, like Rachel Getting Married, it, it's it, it's literary, you know, it, it's fun. But, um, you know, I, I, when we watched it, there's like this, it, it's like you're attending somebody's wedding that's way too fucking long. And that's that's what Rachel getting married is. And there's like this ridiculous dinner scene where everybody's doing their own like little you know toast, and the toasts are like 15 minutes a piece. And it's like where the what the fuck is happening right now? Thought, if I wanted to who, attend who, a goddamn wedding, who, I would have been gone to a who, wedding. Who would have thought that was a good idea for a film? Yeah, so, yeah, I know. So I will admit that I did fast forward to that part. But other than <laughs> but I finished the movie. I finished it. And so, you know, that's really getting off topic from vacation itself. But to make a long story short, in vacation, we thought it was going to be too long. And it really Not wasn't. It, it, it was, like, just perfect, perfectly paced, I would say. It was, like, right right, pretty right su- on track. It was pretty, pretty succinct, yeah. Pretty, pretty, you know, pretty well paced. So um, that was, that whole diatribe was really just to get to that <laughs> one point that, you know, is a very small part of our, our entire conversation. But anyway... Getting back on topic to vacation from 2015, um, it was interesting because my dad, you know, they, he subscribes to Entertainment Weekly, mm-hmm. and he did read the vacation review before he went to see it, which I generally don't do. I generally don't read reviews of no, movies I, I haven't I seen because you don't want to be. Uh... I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go see them, 
I don't want to be tainted, and generally, like, if I'm going to review a horror movie or something, then I don't want to have that extra review in my head, even. I don't want to be thinking about what somebody else said, because I want to form my own opinion on it and then write about it. So, I don't read reviews at all, but my dad did read the review that Entertainment Weekly had of Vacation, and he said that they said it was okay. You know, Surprisingly, one of the few good reviews of the film, actually. And and the <laughs> thing that really struck me is that like a review doesn't generally get to say that something is okay. Mm-hmm. It's got to you know you're more specific. You're like, oh, well, you know, it was it was really good. It was somewhat good. It was somewhat bad. It was, it was really awful. bad. It was yeah. awful. But okay or mediocre or you know that's generally not one of the terms that you hear in a review because. You're supposed to take a side. You're supposed mm-hmm. to take a stance. And so, uh, you know, he, he told me that when we went in. And then after I saw it, I found that okay was a perfect description of what vacation is. It's okay. It's okay. It's weird because as a reviewer, when I'm watching a film, I'm constantly... Kind of, you know, I'm I'm watching the film, but I'm also constantly kind of going through my head of like what's going on, it, you know, how is that fitting together, and coming up with a working, you know, feeling of the film as I go along, and so by the time you get to the end of the film, you you have a, a solid framework to write your review on, mm-hmm. but with Vacation, it's very difficult. Like I came out, and it's so hard to kind of come up with, you know, a solid theme for your review because there isn't one you say okay well um you know that movie was not great but it also wasn't bad so so what do you say about it and i think if i had to write a traditional review instead of just doing this podcast it would be very difficult to come up with something on paper that didn't just sound like me saying it wasn't good it wasn't bad no i i agree i feel that uh after the film that I was you know I as we said before that you know with these new sequels and reboots if we don't leave the film pissed off then I then it kind of then, then it succeeds. Did its job I guess and, yeah. yeah and you know it didn't offend your sensibilities to like you know the past material um go you know after this I, I agree. I like it's like it's fine, really hard for me right now to find the words because again, it's just an okay film. It's, it's, just, a, it's, it's like, just okay. It you know it doesn't go out of its way to try to do anything different. Doesn't go out of its way to try to be great. It knows it's a sequel years after the fact, and that it's you know humor style has changed, but it does you know it. Does it well enough to be funny, but again, it's not. You're going to look back at this saying this is an all-time classic and co- comedy, like The Great Dictator and all those. You know, like uh, shit. I'm drawing blanks now. <laughs> the Dictator with Sasha Bar- Baron Cohen. Is that what you're talking? About? No, The Great Dictator. <laughs> the Great Dictator with Charlie Chaplin. I actually haven't seen The Dictator yet. Oh, I've always seen. I've always seen Borat. It's I another seen... one that's like uh, it's okay. So, <laughs> um, but. You know, I thought okay was like the perfect, accurate description, uh, and other reviewers really haven't been so kind to it. I mean, it's got a twenty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. They they said that it really borrows heavily from the original film's plot, 
but it doesn't really do anything to like step outside that boundary. It's really uh, just kind of like a, a mediocre, a safe, safe, yeah, safe zone, basically. Um, and I think that's where the film gets back into that whole it's a reboot and a remake, but it's not, you know, type of thing. And the movie even has a really meta joke in it. That I pointed out to you. I mean, it was a ob- very obvious meta joke, too. And it's kind of funny looking back at it, but at the same time, it's a very unnecessary. Because there's a moment in the film where Ed Helms is talking to his family how they're going to Wally World. And how his vacation as a child to Wally World was the greatest experience that he ever had in his life. And his family's like, really? We're going to Wally World? We never heard about that vacation. And he's like, oh, it's a new vacation. They're like, yeah, but we haven't heard about this vacation. It's like, oh, it's going to be a different and better vacation. It's not the same vacation. Cause well, that, cause, cause that one had a girl and a boy yeah. in it, basically. Yeah, and he even points that out. He's like, that vacation had, you know, a brother and a sister, not two boys. So it's to- going to be totally different. Totally different, and it's going to stand on its own. Yeah. that's That was a key point, was that it was yeah. going to stand on its own. And, yeah, it was it was really obvious, and it felt like something that could have been used in a trailer, but they should have probably yeah. cut out of the film because yeah, it was a, really... It's forced. It's very it forced. very forced. And that's part of what I was talking about in the beginning of the film is that a lot of that beginning film comedy is is very forced before it actually gets into the sort of antics of the vacation itself. I mean, all of that part of them being home, them um, being characterized first off, mm-hmm. you know, as Rusty and his family, that's all super forced in a way that is kind of surprising because Ed Helms, you know, has his own style. I mean, in 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 this film, Rusty is basically Ed Helms. Every Ed Helms character, like put into one, is packed into one Ed Helms character. The, the geeky, he's like basically the, ge- the same person. Yeah, the geeky, lovable goof. You know, he tries hard, likes but, to sing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, doesn't succeed, but you know, he he does try hard, and you know, it's. He, it's like you this said. This is Ed it's, Helms' it's, typecast, yeah. basically. Um, Christina, and I'd say the kind of the same thing too for Christina Applegate because, like, you look at how which I mean, and she is like a Judd Apatow, you know, yeah. star. I mean, she's she's been in that sort of those sort of comedies before. The ones that Vacation like Anch- is like, really emulating, like Anchorman, 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 Anchorman too. Like her, her, like you know, character is kind of the same. Like I look back, it's kind of the same as her in Anchorman, Anchorman too. It's that same humor. She's like she's dry, but she's trying to be there by like you know her loved one's side, but at the same time, you know, Paul Pass is another yeah. one that comes to mind. Um, that, yeah, I, I would say that she as well is kind of. Typecast into this role, I would say. But, um, I mean, I just think that, in general, the beginning of the film really doesn't establish itself very well. And it's it's all very forced. But as it goes along, it does open itself up to, the possi- to, to possibilities of situational humor from the original mm-hmm. vacation. And also, it's guest stars. It's, it you has know, it's, it's guest cameos, comedians, because yeah. it does have a lot of cameos. Um I will say one uh, going off topic real quick. One of the thing, things the film does have going off the whole meta thing, it do, like a lot of these remake, reboot, sequels. It does have a lot of nods to the old films, mm-hmm. but it you know it, that some of them work and some of them don't. I think one of the nice nods was the opening, the opening credits. Yep, it had Holiday Road playing by you know good old Lindsay Buckingham. I was surprised they actually grabbed that. Yeah. And, and, like, in the original Vacation, they had postcards, you know, like, you know, with that playing over 
for the credits. This one they had family pictures being taken and like showing like kind of like a funny side of you know like somebody getting thrown into the river you know while they're sitting on like a river or something. And I, I thought that was funny. And I did like that because it's. A, I did. It is a nod to the old films, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they did do something new with it. And I think that that sums up Vacation well: is that they generally have an, a nod to the old films, and they try to do something different with it. And I will say that I did, I did like that. I did like that they they tried to um, have something in there that really resembled the older film, and then they did. A, a different. They took it to a different level. Um, one of the the most memorable ones for me was actually having the the woman in the the, hot, for, the, the hot rod. Yeah, yeah, the, the red Ferrari. The red Ferrari. Um, you know, driving up, seeing Ed Helms. Ed Helms here is kind of. I I wouldn't. He's which, actually not like Chevy in that in, regard at all. Which which, which makes it surprising because there there is a scene in the film where. They're driving down the highway, and all of a sudden, uh, that same red Ferrari pulls up, but it's with a different hot chick, which I think it would have been nice if they did have Christy Brinkley in there as a cameo. It's like older, you know. Mm-hmm. That would have been kind of like a nifty nod, even though it would have probably came off as forced. But it would have been nifty, but they had a different hot chick in there, and she's driving alongside Ed Helms, and his wife's asleep, and he's doing the same old Chevy bit, like nodding, and like, kind of like, hey, how's it, you know, yep. trying to look hot and stuff, and... She's doing the same thing, but instead of, you know, her speeding off, she gets hit by a truck. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know it. And he's mm-hmm. kind of just looking around like, where did she just get yeah. to? That was a really good instance of them using something from the original film and then taking it next level. Taking it to a new comedic zone. I, I, I will say the thing that doesn't make sense about that, though, is because, like, as you said, Ed Helms' character... Is not like Chevy Chase. He's, yeah, not, he's, he's not a he's not a woman. Yeah, 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 he's not a womanizer. So that makes no sense, you know. Because as he sa- as he says later in the film, like you know, when they talk about like who they had sex with, he's like, I've only had sex with three people, and, and I had, had to work, work hard. really hard for that, you know. <laughs> so that doesn't like it doesn't fit his character I, at all. But I think like everyone has that sort of side that wants to show off in front of people. So mm-hmm. I think maybe just the attention of her was like enough. It wasn't really him thinking about cheating on his wife, but it was just about him showing off for a hot girl. So, mm. I, you know, I I think... I, in Anyways, even if it doesn't really fit with his character, I thought that was like a good nod to the to the original. And um, in, in that sense, I think they did a good job with, with those moments. Um, I think that their reference to standing on its own is kind of important to Vacation as a whole because... I feel like if it was not vacation based on National Lampoon's vacation, I I think that it wouldn't need to reference it so often. I don't think it would stand on its own though either. You don't think so? And if if it doesn't, if I think if I think they just took the idea of vacation, but instead of slapping on the vacation name and making it just kind of like a road trip comedy like mm-hmm. that, so. It wouldn't have worked. Hmm. It it wouldn't stand on its own. It may, you know, like it wouldn't be, you know, needlessly having that title slapped on. Yeah. But I don't think it would have worked nearly as well. No, I don't because there'd be no like buying power to it. There'd be no stay. And not only that, the film does have a lot of pop culture humor to it too. It does. And so yeah, that's gonna date it and you know really quickly. Mm-hmm. And like, compared to the original Vacation, it doesn't really have any pop culture humor to it. 
So that seems a lot more timeless. So this one, I think, like, if, like, five years after the fact, if it was just its own film not tied to the Vacation series, wouldn't stand it. It's always be incredibly forgettable. Yeah. They wouldn't have some of those humor moments that connect it back to the old Vacation that, you know, you can be like, oh, yeah, that's what connects it, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think that it... I, I kind of feel like it would... I gotta be devil's advocate here. I kind of feel like it would stand on its own. I, I kind of got the feeling that trying to shoehorn it into the Vacation universe was actually kind of... It was more of a, a problem, a flaw for the film than it, had it just kind of branched out, not had its character be rusty from the original Vacation and tried to fit all that into one. I think... It could have referenced Vacation. I think it could have referenced it as, you know, an inspiration. I don't think that it needed to actually say that it was related to that at all. I mean, I, again, I agree, but this it's, it is a damned if you do and damned mm. if you don't scenario. No, I agree. Because, again, I think by ha- being tied to the Vacation franchise, it's going to stand out a little, a little bit longer because it's, oh, it is, you know... It's a sequel. Now, if they end up doing, you know, follow-ups on this franchise, I mean, I don't know what the box office returns are right now. I I don't know either, actually. So, I don't know if it's doing well or not, but... So, if they plan on making more sequels, it's probably going to be the more of the same things, but in different, you know, different scenarios. You know? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I could see that happening. They do, I mean, they do hint at the end of, like, doing a European vacation, because the whole time throughout the film... Ed Helms' wife and Christina Applegate, she want, she, she's she been dying to go on a vacation to Paris. You know. And at the end, they talk about they're going to go on a vacation to Paris. So that, you know, kind of sets up the idea of doing a sequel where they could do their own new European vacation. But at the same time, if this was just a standalone film on its own, I don't think the humor in it and I don't think the story in it would make this... It would be kind of like a straight-to-video movie. I don't think it would have had the po- like you know, the power behind it, the marketing, the all that to make it you know a noteworthy film. I don't think it would have been a noteworthy film at all. I think the whole being tied to vacation is what is, is its selling point and what's going to make it stand on its own for at least for a little bit. Yeah, and it didn't do that well at the box office actually. Uh, basically, all of the news articles that I, I can see right now are doing. A pun on the vacation title. So, vacation takes wrong turn. Vacation. Oh, goody. Yeah. So, it, did, not, it didn't not, do that not, great at the box. Not office. the clever cleverness of the New York Post or Daily News. <laughs> no. Um, so, but I mean, I could still kind of see them doing a sequel, even if it didn't do that great. At well, the I mean, box even office, I mean, like going back to the talking about the Terminator Genesis thing, that's done so bad. They're not even, originally they planned doing a trilogy out of it, and they're thinking about nixing it already. Right, because it didn't do well enough. But um, yeah, I, I, getting back to the actual movie itself, um, I think that they, they, I think they pulled in a lot of vacation references while making it sort of its own entity. And I did like that. It definitely has its frat boy humor, humor. sense sensibilities. I mean, there the literally one, is the a sorority scene, scene yeah. in it. Um, at, at the same time, it kind of distances itself from that as we as it goes along in the film, and I think that is to its advantage. It it does have some dark comedy 
parts to it. Like as we mentioned before, the uh, the woman who gets hit by the truck, um, and it also has some more juvenile parts to it too. That it yeah. kind of caters to today's yeah. contemporary comedy that people yeah. generally like to see of the raunchy aspect of it. The, I have a vagina on a guitar. Yep, it's definitely a lot different comedic comedic wise. Yeah. Than its predecessor, and in some ways that is forced. I mean, it has to be that way. I mean, that's what audiences now are looking for. Um, and at the same time, it's not as smart and minimal as Vacation and you know the original Vacation was. Um, and again, it kind of has to be that way. But one of the most standout qualities about its comedy is the the guest stars that are in it. Um, and they might from. not even be in it for that long, but you know we get people like Charlie Day from It's Always uh, Sunny. From o- it's Always Sunny. Um, He's hilarious. And Caitlin Olsen also shows up from It's 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 uh, Always, Always Sunny. Sunny. She, hilarious as well. She's and she really only gets a, a two quick, minute two minute part, two minute interlude. But um, but they're both very funny, and I think that if. Vacation didn't have these moments of guest stars. There would be a lot less memorable moments in the film. Well, if you think about it, because the whole the whole point where uh, Caitlin Olsen and um, as you pointed out, Tim Heidecker, Tim Heidecker. from uh, Tim and Eric Awesome Show, great job. Um, and uh, who else was it? Cruel and uh, oh, Tim. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll and. I forget the other guy's I name. I can't remember. Um, but there's yeah. a scene. There's a scene in the film. Sorry, other guy. Where, they're, <laughs> where they're, uh, uh Ed Helms and Christina Applegate are planning on going to the Four Corners. You know, the famous spot where Utah, New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona. They, they all you know meet together, and they're gonna go there, and they're gonna you know have sex on the monument there. Yeah, the, the Four have, Corners. But then they you know they find out there's like a line for it, which is funny. But at the, then the cops show up to break it up, and then you have a trooper from each state show up, saying they're going to arrest them. They're fighting over who's going to arrest who because they, you know, like, oh no, his his foot's here, or no, his hand's here, and it's hilarious because like Tim shows up, like, all right, they're in Utah, this is my jurisdiction, and like Caitlin Olson shows up, she's like, no, get your hand out of your ass, this is my, you know, my case, and it's just, and it's funny, it's like a two minute scene. But it's pretty funny. It's, you know, got that raunchy style feel. But again, the way they all play their characters is pretty funny. It makes yeah. for the situation to be I, hilarious. I think it's, I think it's probably... Their, their guest appearances are probably one of the more memorable moments of a film that, you know, it has its, it has its funny moments. It has its comedy, but... Um, Key, Key from Key and Peele is in it, too. Yes, he is. Yeah, and he, yeah, he, yes, has, he, is. he has another, like, three-minute scene, and he's hilarious in it, yep. too. It's kind of, the way that scene does play out. It's kind of like a Key and Peele skit too. It's kind of a Key and Peele skit, and you can definitely see the Chevy Chase influence in it from Vacation because Rusty is trying to Bond work son. so hard to impress you know everybody else yeah. that he's got to put himself into this super awkward position. Mm. That's that's definitely Chevy Chase's character, you know, from Vacation. That, you know that's Clark, and and I did like that as well. Um, you know another person that shows up that we love to see because he's generally just n- nowhere now is Ron Livingston. Does, you know he, as Ryan I said, um, 
Ron Livingston. He, he actually gets a... I'm surprised at some of the actors that got high billing on this, because Ron Livingston actually got pretty high billing on this film. And he's only in, in it, it for, for like five, ten, ten yeah. minutes, I yeah. would say, yeah. He's not in it very long maybe at all. Maybe five minutes, yeah, maybe five. And to me, to me, he's one of those actors like Ryan and I have, like, we have a man crush on Jeff Daniels. Yep. And, like, anytime we see Jeff Daniels getting work, it's like, that's great. That's, that's just fantastic. And I, I mean... And Ron too. I mean, I loved him in Bandit Brothers. I thought he was fantastic. And but you don't really see. He, I think you know he doesn't really. He doesn't do that much. Yeah. Uh, probably voluntarily. I yeah. mean, he's probably. But in he in this movie, he does a complete reversal of who he is in Office Space. Yeah. I mean, in Office Space, he's just that guy that wants to get through the workday and just get it over with and just be done with it. Here he's Bill Lumber. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here he is, Gary Cole. You know, he's he's done a total reversal. He's now like the complete douchebag, and um, I mean, it's good to see it. It's good to see him no matter what he's playing. So um, I definitely, definitely like to see him in that. And that was and another he was, highlight. And he, and he was funny too because he does, he does have a, like a deadpan sense about him. He does. Yeah, it's that you know is hilarious. Is him you know just being very dry and like, oh hey, thanks for letting me get on the shuttle bus. Guess you're gonna have to wait, you know, having no sympathy and you know. Yep. So I, I mean, it's good to see him. Um, but not only do those guest stars show up, I mean, there's Chevy and and Beverly D'Angelo that make a reappearance good, as God. their own characters, good Clark God. and. What the fuck happened to those two? I, I don't. I don't know if Beverly got a facelift. Uh, she looks like she has like a facelift and some Botox. Well, like, probably. I mean. They definitely made a point to not show her face that often, mm. and I'm not. And it's I'm not saying that to like to be mean or anything well, like yeah, that. I'm not, that ju- old. I'm not judging. It's just but more sad than I'm anything. Not, like what I was gonna say, I'm not judging at all. But it's just like I haven't seen her any, like anything really. Outside just in of the, the commercials. Yeah. I mean, they did, they did a couple commercials before that were a play on vacation. Yeah. But I mean, like you know, but I mean, as we said before, like last time, Chevy looks haggard as shit. Yep, and he Chevy looks awful. Not only that, him playing Clark in this it doesn't even make sense, just because the way he acts in it does not resemble Clark at all. If anything, it resembles like him being Gerald Ford on SNL, the klutzy bumbling around, you know, tripping over shit, you know, just being totally ridiculous. He's you know he's doesn't really have a connection to Clark in this. He's, he's more like he just acts totally senile and I. Yeah, I would say that's more the writing than anything. I think that they wrote him that way. And I, I mean, I agree, but at the same time, I, it's like, if they didn't tell you he was Clark, would you have thought, like, this is Clark? No, not really. Be- because, again... It could have been anybody. And to be honest with you, because they kind of... They, they kind of um, introduce both, uh, you know, Clark... Their family at owning um, a, bread a bed and breakfast, and I think the film thinks that the audience is gonna get that reference like immediately because a, a couple come out and they're like, "I'm never staying at that bed and breakfast again. It's awful. That owner's crazy." Mm-hmm. I think the film thinks the audience will connect the fact that they're there with the person thinking the owner is crazy, mm-hmm. but. Without the sh- the film actually telling me that it was you know the Griswolds that owned that bed and breakfast, I definitely would not have made that connection. I think 
they think the connection is there. The film thinks that connection is there, but it's really not. I, and I don't understand really why they made the Griswolds own a bed and breakfast. I think. Uh, well, I think it's just because they need some connection. To, a situation, another yeah, situational yeah. humor aspect of it. Because there's, there's nothing in the previous films that suggests that their, their life goal is to move out to San Francisco <laughs> and open up a bed and breakfast no. or, or anything no. like that. So, I mean, you would be a very loose connection saying, like, well, Clark just wants to, you know, be surrounded by families in this, like, family setting. That would be a very, very loose connection, but, but like I said, overall, it's not like... The way Chevy plays it. And I'm not, again, I'm not blaming Chevy for it. Because Chevy's hilarious. I'm not saying he's hilarious in this film, but right. I think the writing was not good to him. It makes him come off as, again, as just this bumbling, slapsticky, senile old man. I agree. I think that probably listening to this podcast, it sounds like we're jumping back and forth here. We're really mentioning... A lot of different aspects of the film, and some of them really sound good, Mm -hmm. and some of them really sound bad. So I think it would be a good time to kind of break that down and really talk about, you know, is Vacation good, or is it bad, or, you know, why is it just okay? You know, what what, what do you think? I mean, as we said, we both said before, it's definitely not good, and it's definitely not bad. It's just... It is an okay film. It's you can't really go into great depth and describe. It's kind of like one of those films when you see it, you have like a gut feeling on that you can't mm-hmm. necessarily describe how you feel about it, but you can just tell by like you know that's how you know that's how it makes me feel. I think overall the acting in it is okay. There's nobody that's particularly great in it. I think the cameos are like the best part about it. Yeah, um, the two kid actors in it. Um, Actually, I thought they were pretty decent, too. I didn't think they were bad. Yep. Um, The one, the older brother, I felt like was a weird mix of Michael Sarah and Matthew Broderick. Where's Matthew Broderick coming in from? I don't know where... Well, the way he looked and the way he kind of... I can see Michael Sarah, but... Because the way he talked and the way he kind of, like, said things... Was very like reminded me of Matthew, like a Matthew, a Matthew Broderick character. Because Matthew Broderick's always been kind of typecast too, and playing mm-hmm. the same asshole over and over again. He, he plays it too, but like to the Michael Sarah degree as being shy and you know being timid. You know he's like, and, and, and not only that too, but it also reminds me a bit of Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Too. I almost I got like a Justin Long sort of too, but I I could I, I yeah. could see that, but. Yeah. It, just the way he delivered his lines reminded me like a lot of like this weird mix of Michael Sarah and Matthew Broderick. So setting aside the comedy and setting aside even the you know the relationship that it has to National Lampoon's Vacation, how is the plot? Like just thinking about straight plot and how it progresses throughout the film. You know what would you say? What what do you think about that? It's the same thing as the first one. It, it is at its at its core, in its ba- base, bare bones. It's the same thing as the first film. Mm-hmm. Man wants to take his family on vacation. They decide to go to Wally World. Mm-hmm. Hilarity ensues. Mm-hmm. It's you know the same thing, but again, the way 
see, that's where it becomes like a remake because they're taking that same basic bare bones plot, remaking it, but instead, along the way, they're changing the scenario. So, yeah, like and so, they... so instead of running to some black hoods, you know, into the, and in, you know, in the ghetto. Slightly racist in the original. Well, well, it is. I actually just read an interview um, with Harold that was talking about Harold Ramis before he died. Like some yeah. of the things about talking about the film, he said if he had to go back and remake it, he'd take he'd take that scene out because he feels it's greatly offensive. And it is an offensive scene. It, uh, and I think actually that's really I think it's interesting that we brought up that offensive racist part of that film because Vacation. I probably wouldn't even have gotten to this because I didn't even think about it until you brought that up. Vacation 2015 is kind of racist. <laughs> it's, the, the GPS. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of uncomfortably racist. Um, the GPS is uh, becomes, you know, speaks unintelligible Korean. because it speaks Korean and it becomes like this running theme throughout the film, except that Korean is super angry yeah. all the time. Yeah, no, because they were trying... Because the whole thing is instead of having the... Famous station wagon from vacation. They have an Albanian hatchback yes. car that you know they can't figure out really how to work it and all this because it's kooky and you know it's got all these like oh on the lock on it you know the the buttons the are buttons they they have like a rocket symbols. ship a swastika on it and they're like what what's that do that's you know so that that's racist you know got that kind of racist tone to it and then. When they're driving and there's, they end up at home, start screwing with the GPS instead of speaking in English. It gets switched to like German and then like Spanish and then Korean, and they like he's like, well, I can't freaking figure it out because it's you know the symbols don't make sense and the GPS is yelling at them in Korean, you know, like every, instead of like being saying something calmly in Korean, like take it right here or whatever, it's like yelling at the people and they're like, wow, that why does Korean sound angry? Yeah, and I'm not nor I'm not like offended by anything really. But I did find that a little on the on the racist with side. The, with I, the, with t- how today is with like peace. Poli- yeah, is this is not anywhere near a politically correct film. But no, you know, de- I mean, I could see that you know that would pissing a few, rankle pe- a few, few yeah. people. Yeah. Um. So I, I yeah, I'm glad that you actually brought that up because I I wouldn't have I didn't put that on the list or anything. I did I didn't think about that. But now when with you saying that, that definitely did bring up those those ideas. But, you know, even when it does, it does, it, I mean, I'm not, not excusing it, it does have some racist overtones, but um, even with that, it actually does bring up a few interesting points about, like, women and their in their place in the workforce and Republican stances on that and conser- conservative ideas. And I, I could see a few, a few people kind of looking at the film, if you're more on the right-wing side, side calling it a, a liberal biased film, because... There's a part where, as we didn't mention before, another cameo is uh, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, and uh, Lisa Mann, Judd Apatow's wife. Yep. Playing uh, Lisa plays uh, uh, Rusty's sister, sister, and he, he she's married to this Texas cattle man, and like there's scenes in it where she's like, um, "When can I get a job?" And he's like, "Not while there's breath in my body, you'll be working," you know. And they, and and they're pretty clear too in the film to make you know point out that he thinks that way because while they're driving to his house they're like oh why you know I like him but he's got different political views than us you know they're it's not subtle at all they they make damn well sure that you know before you even go into the scene that he's gonna be that kind of person yep so I mean I mean it it definitely has that as well that 
it it brings up those themes. And I thought it was a a good touch um, to bring that up. But you know, it 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 it, it actually was supposed to make the audience think is like wow yeah Chris Hemsworth is a really handsome guy he's a really nice guy he makes a lot of money but he's also at heart a kind chauvinist, of a, a chauvinist misogynist person so you know do you want to be involved in marriage like that even though he's got a huge cock uh, I don't know yeah so <laughs> um or as uh, Ed Helms consistently brings up his big six pack um so and you know even even thinking about that though it 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 brings a smile to my face because there were some some hilarious aspects of it, um, and I think our audience at the theater would agree. There was one it was guy laughing hysterically, laughing hysterically at parts that weren't even funny, parts that were just just there because they were there. See, and, I, th- I I think going back to when we first started talking about how like audience, audience influ- influences how you view the film. I think because. A lot of people during this film were laughing. Yeah. Critics may not like this film, but I think a lot of people watching it today might, you know, the layman might find it really hilarious. Yeah. And great. And I think because we watched it with a bunch of people in the theater, it enhanced our experience. And it made, definitely did. Made it funnier. I think if we now just sat down here in your living room and watched the film, it would no, not be anywhere near as funny. Well, I mean... Because it's like Clerks 2. I was thinking that too. Because yeah. when we saw Clerks 2, and Clerks 2 is hilarious, I love Kevin Smith films. You know, seeing it in theater was it was, And I wish I could relive the moment. Because I own the movie on DVD. I see it once a year because I do think it's a funny film. But every time I watch it consecutively, because I know the jokes, I know the punchlines, you know, I'll laugh in my head, but I'm not like, you know, if I'm watching it by myself, I'm not laughing out loud. You know, the first time seeing it, though, I was laughing my ass off. I thought it was friggin' hilarious. And I think this film has, you know, again, is when you see it with a bunch of people and they're laughing, you're gonna laugh, you're gonna have a good time. But if you bought this movie, you know, decide one day to sit alone by yourself or maybe with one other person to watch the film... Not gonna laugh Probably not. anywhere near as hard. Not as, as hard. Before. I think if you watched it back to back with National Lampoon's Vacation and Regular Vacation, you would find that Regular Vacation, the the original Vacation, is funnier and and smarter, drier, dry. Yeah, it is drier. And I don't know if it's hard to say because I haven't. You know, you haven't watched them back to back. But I feel like National Lampoon's Vacation is not always chuckle worthy. It's not always like laugh out loud. Well, I think I need to, you know, I need to like emit a laugh. Whereas Vacation is kind of sometimes you need to emit a laugh. But at the same time, when I think about National Lampoon's Vacation, I think that I am often chuckling to myself in my head mm-hmm. and thinking about, wow, that was kind of like a smart situational aspect. Much like Arrested Development. Yeah. Uh, I don't laugh a ton out loud about Arrested Development. But I'm thinking in my head, wow, that's really clever. That's well, really... You, well, you could also, too, like apply to, like, because we both are big fans, Wes Anderson films. Yeah. They're hilarious. They're great black comedies and dramas. You know, some, With, some 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 of the films are more like out loud laugh worthy than others. You know, like the Royal Tenenbaums to me, like at points, is freaking out loud hilarious. Yep. But there are more like if you were to sit by yourself or like just a few people and watch some of those films, you'll laugh more in your head and thinking, "Wow, it's an incredibly funny thing" or hilarious compared to you know laughing out loud because it's it makes you think it makes yeah. you think. 
And I think if, like, taking one scene from the original Vacation and comparing it to the new one, take the instance where Chevy Chase in the original Vacation is driving down the road, gets pulled over by the cop for dragging a dog. Yep. They don't show any gore. They don't Mm. show anything. Just a leash. Yep. And it's it's funny because you think about, like, the situation. It's hilarious. If they were to redo that in the new film, you you would see the dead dog. You would see the dead dog. You would see the blood and all that, you know. It takes away because they're you know it's adding too much to the joke. It's adding too much to it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like a perfect like kind of comparison. Like if you take the style, the humor of the first film and this new one, that if they were to redo that scene, you would probably not laugh anywhere near near to it because they would up the ante on it to a point where you'd probably be like, oh, that's disgusting, you know? Yeah. That you know, it would take the smartness away from it. Yeah. I- I just like the guy that was in our in our audience. That guy was often as funny as the film. Well, there was a chick too that was like wheezing, yeah. wheezing away too. Like, <laughs> but you know, and what was great about this guy was or actually this couple. They were an older couple. They were there by themselves. They were watching the film. It's kind of not something. And this is kind of probably ageist, but it's not something that you expect like your Old grandparents yeah. to go watch because it's really raunchy and and not something that you'd expect them to really enjoy as much as some you know some other comedies. But they were having a great time, and the guy in general, in, in 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 actually not in general, in specificity, he was like just talking out loud, saying like things that were clearly evident from what was being shown on the screen but he felt necessary to to tell the rest of the audience what was happening you gotta love those people i know he just thought you know he just thought i need to tell these people what's happening right now and so you're i think that atmosphere did add to our experience of vacation i think I think it did. That does add to a comedy too. The per- one person who's like, "Yeah, he did," the, you know, the one like person, you know, that's really got, finds it necessary <laughs> to point to out point out what exactly is the, funny. Yeah, or, the, the humor in the situation. Yeah. That it, that like you know, if it's like a mystery, you'd probably be like, shut the fuck up, you know. But yeah. in, like in a comedy, situ- it's funny because they're like, oh, like yeah, he like his gears are turning. He, he gets he, it. <laughs> he gets it. I. Just want to say before we we end the the vacation podcast that I do love Christina Applegate. <laughs> I do, and I think that Rusty would be foolish to go with anybody else but Christina Applegate. She's Debbie Do Anything. <laughs> she can put a finger in your penis if you want. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> But you gonna I, try that tonight? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it to myself. But um, I think, I, and I brought this up before, but I think listening to this podcast, it's really kind of scatterbrained and confusing as to like whether it was whether the film was good or not. And I think we've really proved that point that yeah, it was it was okay. And I'd say wa- I'd say watch. I'd it. say and watch it. Go I would, to the theater to watch it. Yeah, if anything. I, I I definitely I would not. I, as a lover of cinema in general, I, I'm very vocal about people going to the theater anyway to see stuff because, you know, you you, you just should. It's you, the best you should. way. It's, it's the best way the way to see, to see it. it. You are supporting 
you know, your your media, you're, you're supporting the people who make that. And so you really just should. You should go see it in theaters. And, I mean, there are movies that I would say don't go see it in theaters because it's really just not, not worth it to go see it. Terminator Genesis, you probably don't need to go. You know, we made that clear. You probably don't need to go to the theater to see that movie. Um, you know, when we saw RoboCop, it was clearly like, wow, we really fucking shouldn't have paid <laughs> $9 to see this movie in theaters because we could have watched it at home on a regular TV and saw how shitty it was there. So... You know there are, there are movies that I would say you don't really need to go to the to the movie theater to see, but I would say Vacation is not one of them. I mean, I think it's something you know that I think you wouldn't be- you better, wouldn't waste your money going to the theater. To it's see it. better to be experienced at the theater. It is. Than- I think you know, especially if you know that your theater has a lot more people, you know that go to the theater. Around here, there's just not that many people, and I was <laughs> particularly surprised that there was that many people that went to the theater to see it. So. You know, it is one that we would recommend going to see at the theater, especially if you're a big fan of the other vacation movies. I mean, you might as well see it and form your own opinions of how you think it fits into the to the uh, actual not, series. Not only that, and, but if you like, again, as you said, kind of the more Judd Apatow Judd style. Apatow, more raunchy, you know, it's more, you know, if I'm bringing it up and from, from, you know, my teenage days, it's more akin to Van Wilder than, say, yeah, no, know, the it, original yeah, vacation yeah. movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's no. it's definitely on that you know there's poop there's yeah. dicks there you know there's vomit there's a lot of actually yeah. a lot of a lot of vomit so there's all that stuff it's more you know it's definitely more akin to Van Wilder's you know donut come yeah. and, and then you know the original National Lampoon so um, I would definitely say if you're you're a big fan of that or if you know if you just want to see how it stacks up and make your own opinions because we've kind of told you how we feel how it fits into the series but you know it's definitely something you should experience for yourself and see you know vacation is a cult classic everybody views it in a different way so something that you should experience and that, form your own opinion I say not only that but I think this is, is kind of where like uh, vacation is now it's got five films but before that you know, with the four films, you had Vacation and Christmas Vacation being both cult mm-hmm. classics, you know. Yeah. So, not saying that this film's adding anything to this. This film doesn't add anything to the franchise. No. But it also doesn't really take anything away from it. I'd much rather probably... It'd be interesting to see down the line, but I'd rather much see this film over Vegas. Well, and, and, and tangentially, I don't really like when people say that a film takes away from... An older film. You don't have... I don't understand that. Because you, you don't watch the original film and you, you don't think in, when you're watching it, wow, that other film is really clouding my judgment well, of this Well, it's not... I, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't grade it on a film-to-film basis, but I'd yeah, say yeah. more to film the franchise. So Because there's, there's been... No. Fil- I mean, though you haven't seen them, but the prequels to Star Wars definitely take a little bit of the... They don't ruin the older films of Star yeah. Wars, but like when you watch them, it's like George Lucas. Why do you hate your fans? Okay, may, I can, that yeah. May... I mean, I, I guess I can see that, but but I don't I don't think that people are accurate in saying that you know since they followed Halloween two up with Halloween three that they really you know they messed up the the quality of 1 and 2 i, I just no, don't no, think no, that works no 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 that that that, that, that is, no that is a I stupid argument that's stu- and, yeah and cuz one both halloween 1 and 2 are both great films they are and but they i mean back to back very well you should yeah. watch them as a double feature yeah. 
They, you know what? They should come out with an edit where they cut it because you know they just put them together. Yeah, <laughs> here's four hours. No, it'd be like three hours. Yeah, it would both be like three. Hours. I mean, but still, but still, I mean, like you could say Halloween three kind of cheapens the Halloween series because it's the one it's the one that sticks out like a green thumb because it has nothing to do with Michael Myers and you know it could have been a whole different you know named it something just completely different have nothing to do with Halloween. Mm-hmm. You can argue for you that, can argue that with the franchise, yeah. but to say it cheapens the you know Halloween one too. No, that's stupid. Yeah, it's totally you know. So long story short, it doesn't do that for you know it doesn't do that for the vacation series. It and you're right, it doesn't really add that much to them either. It it just kind of it's just there. It's just but you, like I said, you can make that argument for yeah. Vegas yeah. and probably European. We're too, gonna just, we're gonna defer to. Entertainment Weekly and say that it's it's okay, okay. Yeah. and that's def- it's an accurate description. And I can't really think of another one unless I just go through a thesaurus and come up with start a just start alternative going yeah. synonym for it because that's pretty much exactly where it fits in. Um, all right, so you know we generally ended these reviews slash podcast discussions with a rating system. So, on a uh, scale of <laughs> zero to 300 Korean, uh, Korean, what, what are their, uh, what's their currency? What's Korean currency? Oh, I don't know. I don't either. Zero to 300 Korean coins. Why don't you, say, why you, why don't you just, why don't you just go like the stereotypical route? Like, Zero to three hundred yen because Japanese is close enough. <laughs> yeah, it's keeping with the slightly racist overtones of uh, of vacation. W O N Juan. So actually, Sarah will participate in this podcast when she has her phone and she can look up stuff. Yep. Okay. So there, she's um, she, our producer, Sarah, on the on the side. Making sure that we're doing our fact checking is is telling us that they're called won. So, on a scale of one to three hundred Korean won, what would you give vacation? One fifty. It's a dead. It's, it's dead. Dead center. One fifty. It's it's a dead. It's a split half. It's again because it fits the. Granted, usually if in a more convenient system than the ones that you've been coming up with every uh, episode. Um, if I was grading a, like a school curve, it'd, it'd be a D or, okay. or like a C minus, but C minus would actually put it like in the middle. So yeah, if you're like, 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 a, like a C minus, C minus probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd say more C minus than D cause it, again, it's, it's funny, but it's not hilarious. There's good acting in it, but at times there's also not bad, but just mediocre. There's nothing outstanding about the story. There's nothing outstanding about the soundtrack. You know, outside of Holiday Road by Lindsey Buckingham. The other two versions they have in it are kind of, you know... Well, Mark Brothersbaugh actually does the soundtrack, which we didn't really bring up, but you're right. It's well, he does, it does, which, it's nothing... which doesn't even make sense, because he, you know, usually... Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> yeah, that's not... He, even... he, he usually brings something, you know, to the table, you know. He has, yeah. you know, more... More going on in the there film. I think. I think maybe he was just probably hired to compose a few scores. Maybe grab a few pop songs to throw in there because there, there are quite a few pop songs like it, with regular tradition now yeah. in cinema instead of having like a natural soundtrack to a comedy. They have usually a 
you know, just take some pop songs here and there. There wasn't a recognizable Mark Mother's Boss score there. Not at all. But, um, yeah, I, like it's like you said and EW said, it's just okay. It's just average. There's so, not, nothing outstanding about the film. And there's nothing, like, greatly offensive about it, which yeah. I'm pleasantly surprised about. So 150 wontons, we'll give it. <laughs> um, so, I guess that pretty much... Well, what that, are you giving it? You no, give no, well, I'll, I'll concur. I'll say, yeah, 150 wontons sounds pretty good to me. Swans, not wontons. <laughs> well, wontons. We're not having soup here. No, I that uh, wonton sounds good to me too. So, <laughs> all right, yeah. So I'll concur. I'll give it 150 wands. Um, yeah, I think that that puts it right square in the middle, and and I think that's fair. And I think that that's pretty much what Vacation was shooting for, anyway. I don't really think it was shooting for like the. You know, the mo- top, yeah. of, trying top to, of the line. Like I said, trying to be the greatest comedy of all time. Yeah. Now, do you think, I mentioned this before we got into the theater, do you think there are a few, like, studios pumping out films like this knowing that they may be bad or they may be mediocre, but people are going to see it based on name and see how pissed off they can get? Based on name, yeah. How pissed off... I. Maybe I mean I hate pissed off. Pissed off is tweet worthy. I mean, people talk about stuff they get pissed off about. So yeah, maybe. I I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be the great cynic here. Again, didn't say this film pissed me off at all. But I'm saying with a lot of these remakes, reboots, resequels, you know, taking all three and combining into the you know into one. You take a lot of these franchises that are beloved, and it's like, you know some of these films, just by looking at it, they don't have any love or any care. They have for higher directors on them who, you know, just doing what the producers tell them, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, they know they're making subpar material, but hey, it's got the name, and we know people are going to see it. Sure, it's going to piss them off, but we're going to get their money, so like, who cares if we piss them off, like. I almost feel like it with a lot of these films, like they kind of take that into effect. Because again, no press is, you know, I mean, there's no such thing as bad press. If you're getting shitty press, you know, you still may make your, you know, your money back because you lure those people in who are going to watch it because they love the franchise, and they may get pissed off at the end of the day. But they, you know, they might spread that press around, and people may pick up on because t- people like to watch bad films too. Yeah. You know, if if films are bad enough to a point, people will go and see them because bad films can, you know, piss you off to a point that you want to just tell everybody about it. Or they'll piss, you know, they're so bad that they're hilarious. Yep. Well, I mean, I think that Vacation could fit in there. I mean, I think that they they probably recognize that it's an okay film and that there are going to be people that don't like it. And I think... They are okay with it being just okay. Just like when they pumped out, you know, Hangover sequels. I think that they knew that going in with Hangover 2 and 3, that those are movies that are really just being forced out because they the first make one made money. so much they, money, yeah. Because they make money. And they're going to, they're gonna, um, you know, bring people in. I think that that's definitely on the minds, maybe not of the directors because they're kind of probably just brought in because it's a paycheck and they're going to make a movie and they, you know, their name is on a movie, but, uh, definitely for the production companies, for the producers and and things like that, they definitely are pumping them out because they know that they're going to make money no matter what. I I was, like I said, I agree with that. 
I will say that I don't think this film is one of those films. I think I, I, I think with the, some of the joke, like the references and jokes, loving yeah, the references and jokes they had, it was they did have like you know, there was love behind it. Yeah, you can make that argument too. The Terminator Genesis with some of the refer- yeah, references yeah. they had, I don't think they were doing it to piss off. I think the director in that film had like love towards the film, but I think the overall what was going on there just wasn't going to work. I would like to think that in these sorts of films that the at least the writer, the screenplay writer does have love for the original films. They're not like just called in as like, "All right, watch the yeah. first film and then come up with something that's a little bit different." And I think with Vacation that that's true. I think that they definitely, you know, the people creatively that worked on it do have love for the original film. Mm-hmm. But I think that a lot of the times and and we see this a lot now, especially talking from a horror aspect, a lot of you know, when they have the re releases on Blu ray, a lot of the films that are re released that they do get like a documentary on on the special features, they do bring up the fact that you know, things go wrong during production. Things are forced, things don't really come out the way they should. And they kind of just have to go with it because money's being spent. Money's spent every day on production. And executive producers or whoever's involved in the budget process is kind of forcing that through. And I don't know particularly about Vacation or Terminator Genesis, which we covered in a previous podcast. I don't know about those in particular, whether that's the case. But I know that that does happen in cinema. And that's just kind of... A thing that it affects the quality of a movie coming out. Um, I, I think that that's inevitable. It's part of cinema as a money-making venture. And a lot of people definitely see it more as a money-making venture than anything to make a quality film. And I think that... I, we're not saying that about vacation in general, but that is something that does happen in cinema, and it's unfortunate but people do see it as just a way to make money instead of something that should be quality and cater to the audience that loves it. So um, that's always a problem that you have in cinema. And, you know, I, I, it's not going to go away anytime soon. But um, in terms of vacation, I don't think that is particularly the case. So uh, wrapping up, I think, because we're out of beer. We, we're out of beer, so we have to end it. I, I, we don't have any more left, so I, nothing's going to fuel us. Um, wrapping up, Vacation is an okay movie slash remake slash sequel slash re-envisioning of uh, National Lampoons. It has some quality stars. It has some good guest stars. It has some funny moments. Some of them miss the mark. Some of them, and especially the beginning, is a little forced. Um, it takes a lot of what made the original Vacation a cult classic, and then it kind of switches them around and, and adds different scenarios to it that it, it really makes it a more memorable experience. And it really depends on the audience that you see it with. Um, this is the Cousin Eddie of the films. It's the dirty, yeah. raunchy one. Yeah, it's the dirty, raunchy slightly messy film uh, of the Vacation series. And it's not going to cloud your view of the original Vacation or any of those that come 
that come next, except for Vegas Vacation, which is already clouded by <laughs> no one liking it. Um, but, you know, it's really up to you to decide whether you like it or not and whether it's something that you want to add to the canon or if you just want to kind of bypass it, skip it, and pretend like it doesn't exist in the series. Um, so we'll leave it at that. We gave it 150 wands, which is Korean money, apparently, <laughs> as uh, Sarah, our executive producer and fact checker, says. And um, that's it. That's our that's our vacation coverage for, for 2015 vacation. Uh, we will be covering Vegas vacation and European vacation probably in the next podcast. And we will be posting this podcast to, like always, to our SoundCloud and our iTunes account. So if you subscribe to iTunes, you'll get that automatically and it will you know, download automatically. Whatever it does, you'll get it, listen to it. Um, we also have a Stitcher account. We have an email, which is bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. No one ever emails us. So if you would do us a favor and just send us something, tell us if you like it, if you don't like it, what we can do. Send a suggestion for another film for us to cover. Um, Try to give us like a a consistent timeline so that we can kind of nail down like like, and stop getting off topic. Um, Give us another beer or alcohol to try and maybe we'll bring it up or, you know, any any of those suggestions. We really just want to hear from anybody that's listening. Um, and we hope to get up past 32 listens for the next for this next podcast. So um, we're working on that. Uh, you can also um, you know follow us on uh, Facebook. I always post about the podcast on themoonisdeadworld.net, so you can find it there. And we really just appreciate anybody subscribing or, or commenting or emailing us about the podcast. Um, other than that, I think I'll sign it off. So, Ryan from the Moves Dead World on that, thanking you for listening to our vacation podcast. Martin, you have any, any last words to, to say about this? Go out on that holiday road. And also listen to Seal. Yeah. Play some Batman forever and sing some Seal. <laughs>